Do you know that today is the last day of May? Can you believe that? Uh, tomorrow is June 1st, and we're heading into the summer months. Today is Pentecost Sunday, actually. Yes, this is the Sunday in which uh, we read about it, and we studied it just a few weeks ago as we're marching through the book of Acts, back in Acts uh, 2, uh, the Feast of Shavuot, where uh, there was uh, all the Jews were gathered again in Jerusalem for this great uh, feast, and it's on that particular day where the, the small little gathering of uh, followers of Christ, the disciples of Christ, were all together in one accord, and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit in mighty demonstration of power. And it's been quite a journey, hasn't it, since the second chapter of Acts? And now we're in the sixth chapter. I mean, we've only been two, three, four, and five, four chapters so far. And we've seen the Holy Spirit do so much in the life of this church. We saw uh, uh, a healing of a, of a lame man. We saw uh, signs and wonders and uh, miracles. We saw a whole house shake at the end of one of their prayers. Um, we saw uh, trouble for this church. They got themselves in trouble. Can you believe following God can get you in trouble? Uh, it did here. And they got thrown in jail. But guess what happened? God broke them out of jail. I bet that was exciting. We also see uh, descriptions of this church and their unity, one with another. They were just so unified. He says they freely shared with everybody. No, nobody considered what was theirs was theirs. They just freely shared over and over, we have seen the Holy Spirit at work in this church, and it has exploded in growth. On one occasion, I think we saw 3,000 people. On another occasion, several more thousand. And so we've got, I don't know, six or seven or 8,000 people in this church who now believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Uh, in the passage today, we get to see the Holy Spirit work in a whole brand new way um, because this church, this on-fire, Spirit-filled church, guess what? It has a problem. I know, you're amazed, aren't you? Churches can have problems. Acts 6, 1 through 7. Now at this time, while the disciples, disciples meaning the whole congregation, were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews. Can you imagine being an apostle and somebody coming to you and saying, I have a complaint? Because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food, the Hellenistic Jews were being overlooked. So the twelve, the apostles, summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Well, the statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose... Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas. Yes, I practiced, okay? A proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. 
the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Isn't church growth awesome? Yeah, yeah, right. Sure, pastor, right. Yeah, amen. Yeah. You know, every pastor would like to see his church grow, I think. And, uh, but can you get your mind around what is happening here? This is a church that has been overrun with hundreds and thousands of people. Not only that, there's no New Testament yet. Paul hasn't written a single word. Paul's not even converted yet. They don't have a church constitution. How do they survive? It is a brand new church, uh, first of its kind. There's no precedent. There's not even tradition to follow. I mean, okay, to make it real, can you imagine 3,000 new folks showing up here next Sunday? <laughs> I heard, that would be great. I heard a staff member go, oh my goodness. <laughs> now, some of us would think that'd be really cool, but uh, what would we do with them? This new church poor church. They only had one thing to lead them. The Holy Spirit. Pretty good though, I would say. You know, to really catch the depth of what's going on here, we have to understand a little bit of the background. Two groups of people in this church, Hellenists and Hebrews. Um, both were Jews by birth and ethnicity. But the Hellenists had assimilated into the Greek culture and uh, they adopted many of the Gentile customs and they dressed like Gentiles, socialized with the Gentiles. They spoke Greek instead of Hebrew. What do you think the Hebrews were like? Well, they were Hebrews. They spoke the, the Hebrew language. They maintained the tradition of their ancestors, the manner of dress and the customs and uh, the Jewish culture. And this, this church was filled with both, and uh, there would be a natural inclination to prefer, if you were a Hebrew, other real Jews. <laughs> and widows in this culture were the most vulnerable of all populations, and uh, the Hellenist Jews were being overlooked in food. They were completely dependent on the church feeding them, and uh, the Hebrews, who were most likely in charge of the distribution... Uh, were just inclined towards those that were like themselves. Yeah, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in this exciting new church, there was no doubt this strong sense of community and belonging, a real presence of unity and love. It's hard to imagine that this was being deliberately perpetrated. I can't imagine a group of Hebrews getting together and saying, let's stiff the Hellenist widows. <laughs> I just don't see that in this group. It had just migrated and turned out this way. And so my first point is this. Prejudice happens when you least expect it. Hebrews were just favoring their own kind. Needless to say, 
It is not God's way to prefer one race or one ethnicity or one language over any other. God so loved the world that He gave His Son to the world. Every person that has ever walked this planet has been dearly loved by the Father. And we as the church of Jesus Christ are at our best when we love not just those like us, but those most unlike us. Amen? Are you prejudiced? As we've watched the news this past week, we've seen the ugliness of prejudice. It breaks my heart to see hatred and arrogance and violence. And one race thinking they're better than another, one class thinking they're better than another, and People think they're more deserving or more correct and their ideology is more correct. We need to... And, you know, there's this sense of entitlement that comes along with that whole way of thinking. And uh, it's an entitlement that is me against you. I've got to be be- I gotta put you down to elevate me. I've got to take advantage of you. And, uh, or even I, need, I even need to kill you. It breaks your heart, right? (laughs) And as the church of Jesus Christ, folks, we denounce all forms of prejudice where people see themselves better than other people. We stand with God who doesn't look at your skin color or how much money you have or what your heritage is or what your political leanings are or anything else. He just loves you. No matter who you are. And our nation is groping for answers. And this, these people over there, they got the answer. These people, if you only did this, this would all be better. This would be better. If you just do it my way, if we could get in power, we could change all of this and we could make it right. And they're all looking for answers in the wrong places. We are at war in our culture with ourselves and everyone's screaming. For their way to win the day. And so many of the answers that we see produced are just simply more prejudice. Preference for this over this. The answer, the only answer, <laughs> please hear me. I'm not just saying this because I'm a preacher that ought to say things like this, okay? Please. The only answer is the love of the Savior, Jesus Christ, working through His people to demonstrate a different way to live. That's it. There's nowhere else to go to find the answer to what is ailing our culture today. And as we love the way Christ loved, it is a love that is not rooted in any kind of agenda or political process, but rooted in a person of Jesus Christ who has so demonstrated his love for us in that while we were so messed up, he came and he died for us. 
It's supernatural, this love. It's tough. It's truthful. It's compassionate. It's a love that can just rip the hate out of a person. (laughs) And I'm proclaiming it's our only hope. Are you prejudiced? Do you prefer one over another? Do you prefer people of your race or people of other races? Do you prefer the wealthy? Do you prefer the poor? Here's one. Do you you prefer people who have the same theological belief that you do and like to stay away from those that don't? Okay, let's make it even more (laughs) close. Do you prefer people who like hymns? Some of you are going, that's where I draw the line, right there. That's it. Are you prejudiced? The second chapter of James, is really the lot, most of that chapter is dealing with this, but I'll just read the first verse. It's so powerful. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. Then he goes on to talk about letting the rich guy sit in the prominent place and the poor guy, we can sit back there. You're not as valuable as him. Don't we have to be so careful? Don't we have to stand guard at our heart's door to the creep of prejudice? It's deadly to the church. It, it distracts us. It gets us off of our core mission of Christ. And uh, in the story, the apostles are simply not going to let that happen in this church. They were presented with the problem, and the Holy Spirit led them to an answer. And they decided, instead of digging in themselves and solving the problem, they, uh, they were going to be diligent to their calling. In verse 2, it says, it's not desirable for us to neglect the Word of God in order to serve tables. Verse 4, they reiterate, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Now, you have to understand, this cultural division within the church was profound. This is not a little thing. And And the apostle says, we're not going to let go of what we've been called to do in order to handle this problem. Number two, essential things remain essential even when problems arise. (laughs) Kind of sounds like what we're going through today, isn't it? Essential things remain essential even when problems arise. I think of how many compromises have been made because there was a problem that needed to be handled. Okay, we got all this ministry that we need to do. We need to reach out and tell people about Christ's love, and we need to study the Word and present it and pray, 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 pray. And yet, we got this problem. So let's just leave that, and let's go over here and handle this problem, or let's just wait the problem out before we get back to that.
The apostles, they could have set aside the primary calling to be in touch with God in order to take care of the problem. It's a big thing. But here's the problem. There's always going to be another problem. Now, if you've been in this church very long at all, you've heard me tell this story before, but just go with me, okay? You got it? I'm going to tell the famous color of the carpet story. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, this is going to be great. Uh, I was in a church once, and they replaced the 20-year-old blood-red carpet in the sanctuary because it was, well, 20 years old. A carpet committee was formed, and the debate began. Do we continue with red or go multicolored? The red camp said it stood for the blood of Christ. Really? The multicolored camp said that was just dumb and let them know about it. The problem divided the church and Sunday worship, I'm telling you folks, it changed. There was tension in the air. There were groups huddled after church, no doubt, talking about the issue, neglecting the spiritual work that God may have wanted to do in their life during the service. Well, that's important, but we got to decide this issue. Finally, as the decision grew closer, the pastor got up on a Sunday and simply said, folks, this is not who we are. He, he, he drew them back to the essence of who God's people are and the way that we are called to love one another. And he reminded them of the unique mission this particular church had in that area of the city. And he exposed them to the silliness of the whole thing. And in a moment's time, it was over. And I like telling the story because I was in the multicolored camp. And we won! <laughs> sorry, sorry. These were good people. They deeply loved God. They just let this division sneak in the back door. Opinions and talk. It was a great church. I remember thinking about that often in my life. If that could happen to that church, it could happen to any church. When you forget what is essential, <laughs> and you let go of the essential because you got a problem. The apostles, led by the Spirit, have a unique way of handling this problem. They tell them, we're going to have an election. Select seven men. Here's what we ask. They have good reputations, filled with the Holy Spirit, wise. Whomever you, church elect, is going to handle this problem. And when you study this and understand all the cultural things going on in here, this is something that only God could come up with in this cultural context. It goes against all norms of the day. There are two distinct groups represented here, Hellenists and Jews. All of the apostles were what? Hebrews. So all the ruling council that makes all the decisions, they're all on one group. <laughs> Can you imagine their deliberations over this? Guys, we are in a no-win situation. 
No matter what we decide, the Hellenists are still going to see our answer coming from a bunch of Hebrews. Someone, some lone apostle suggests the idea, well, let's just let the people decide. Let's let them take a vote. I wonder how they, I wonder how the group met with that. No, we've been given the responsibility to lead, the calling of God to lead the church. Won't it seem as though we're kind of abdicating our God-given authority? Shouldn't we strike out and lead here? Then, no doubt, some apostle pipes up and says, you know what I think we ought to do? I think we ought to go into a season of extensive prayer because God's got an answer for this. So I believe that they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they, it becomes apparent that they are to continue devoting their time to prayer and ministry of the Word and it pleased the Spirit to have the election and uh, let the church choose the men. Probably not the answer most would have come up with, but that's the way the Spirit wanted to handle this particular problem, as unusual as it would seem. Which draws me to the third point. The Holy Spirit often has unusual answers. Do you believe that? <laughs> in other words, well, let me ask you this. How many times has the Holy Spirit led you in expected usual ways? Not often. Let's see, do we have any examples in Scripture where God does things unusually? <laughs> Think about Joseph. How would you have liked to live Joseph's life? Daddy's boy, right? Dad loves me, but all my brothers hate me. So they, they tell Dad I got killed, but they had sold me off to people, a caravan. And it's God's plan. I go into this foreign land to, be, to prepare and be present there so that I can prepare for this great family that's coming so that the lineage of my own family that hates me can be carried on. And during that time of exile, he's even accused falsely by the wife of the leader. And so he gets thrown in jail, solitary confinement for two years, all for God's plan. Amen, right? Abraham, we're going to make you a mighty nation. Your offspring is going to just be innumerable. And Abraham, we're going to start when you're old enough to be a great-grandfather. How's that? Apostle Paul. Now there's a story, right? God's surveying the, 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 the situation and he sees that his people are being persecuted. Uh, this is after Acts 8. We're going to look at this in a few, a few weeks. Uh, uh, Acts 8, there's the great persecution and the dispersion of the Jews and uh, there's this, this mighty outpouring of persecution and, uh, and God looks around and he, he says, okay, I need another apostle to carry on and write most of the New Testament. Oh, let's, let's find the guy that's doing the most persecution of my people. That's my guy. Does the Holy Spirit act in unusual ways? I'm telling you that because you, you, I sometimes expect him to act the way I think he ought to. I'm the only one. And then he comes up with some harebrained idea. And I go, really? Right? You may be finding yourself in a real jam today. And, um, you know, my encouragement is stay close to him, listen for his voice, follow his lead. 
I know, I know it could be crazy or weird or strange or unusual, and I've heard some of your stories out there. You tell me some of the strangest stories of how God used some of the strangest things to bring about an absolute miracle in your life. Well, here's an example. During this pandemic, let's say your finances have dwindled, and you're praying about it, and you're just saying, Lord God, I just... Uh, I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't know what to do uh, with my finances, and I, I need some. And, and as you go through life, you, you, you become acquainted with somebody who is uh, also struggling financially, and the more you talk with them, the more you understand they're struggling more than you are. And you go back and you start praying for them. I'm going to pray for you. And, and as you're praying for them, what does the Lord say? I want, to give, I want you to give the little that you have and share it with them. And we try to explain to the Lord how he's not right. It doesn't make sense. That's, that's unusual. That's, that's, that's not the way we do it. He'll probably respond, well, that's the way I do it. I want you to trust me. Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him. He will do it. So the people select their seven guys, and um, for me, this is one of the most inspiring parts of the story. What do you notice about the names of the seven guys? Let's put them up there. Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas. The whole church voted. Hellenists and Hebrews alike. Everybody voted. What did they come up with? All Greeks. All Hellenists. The Hebrews sided with the Hellenists because it was the loving and right thing to do. Everybody saw the problem for what it was. It wasn't right, the neglect of the Hellenist widows. The whole church wanted this salt. And so they go over the top. I mean, when I look at that, I thought, well, if they wanted to give the Greeks some authority, why didn't they go four to three? Right? Right? How come it's 7-0? I can imagine the Hebrews just saying, you're my brothers and sisters. We love you. We're all in this together. You know, I thought of how that might look in our modern culture. <laughs> I came up with this illustration. Again, this is an illustration. What if we as a church decided to merge with another church? That would be cool, wouldn't it? Uh. You see, this other church, they don't have a building. We do, and both churches decided that it's going to be a good idea to join forces so we can just be one church going forward. And uh... Now, let me ask you, do you think there would be issues? 
Uh, one issue I would have, who's going to be the pastor? Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Can you imagine taking two elder boards and merging them together to produce one new? How would we be able to integrate relationally? Can you imagine after church, all of the Grace Bible Church people will be, and all of the others, right? How could we, the church with the building, not somehow always feel like we were the... Um, One's doing them a favor. In other words, there could be problems, you think? Here's what I say. If people are led by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit wants something to happen, the Holy Spirit can make it happen. Every single time. That's point four. The Holy Spirit always makes a way. Always. I don't have to tell you we're in uncharted waters when it comes to church these days. We probably have a little less than half of our people showing up on a Sunday morning and uh, feeling comfortable about being here. It, it could be that way for quite some time. We just don't know. In many ways, we've shut down so much of our ministry, so much of our face-to-face -face ministry. And uh, Well, let me ask you, does God have a plan in the midst of a pandemic? Oh, yeah. We've seen people helping people. We've set records as a church for money flowing into our special needs fund to help people. We've seen churches helping churches, and uh, we have a church that's going to start meeting here this afternoon. They don't have a building. They were in a school. They can't, the school won't let them back in, so they're going to meet here. I think that's great. Awesome. I know. And before you come up to me after the service, no, we're not merging with them, okay? All right? We love them. We love them. What's the Holy Spirit doing? What's God doing in this? Have you asked that question? I have. And here, here's, here's, and I'm going to, I'm going to stop preaching for just a minute and give you an opinion. Okay? Dangerous to do, I know. All right? Uh, my opinion is this. I don't think that the Holy Spirit is just saying, just hold on, church, till all this blows over so you can get back to normal. I really don't think that's what's going on. Okay, now I'm going back to preaching. All right. I think God is saying, trust me. I have a plan. I know what I'm doing. I'm working. And perhaps, perhaps there is something God is preparing and doing and getting ready that is deeper than anything we've seen in our life. <laughs> Amen. It could be that God is intentionally being disruptive to the normal activities of the church. We serve a disruptive God, don't we? There's something I just 
I don't know. But I pray about it. What about your life? There's, there's a tendency in these kind of situations to pull in and to protect and survive. And uh, Can I just say this? Don't stop living. God is still working. He's always working. He works in the midst of anything. Don't stop making essential things essential. Continue walking in the Holy Spirit. You may be facing the greatest opportunities of your life for the demonstration of God's power to work miraculously through you in the midst of what we're going through today. Follow the nudge of the Spirit that calls you to reach out to someone, to give something, to sit with someone for a conversation. Even if the leading is a bit odd or unusual. He knows what he's doing. Trust in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for just the real-life demonstration of your Spirit's work through the Scriptures that we we see in these stories, and they're far more than stories. These are real-life human dramas that really did take place, and uh, they, they demonstrate to us that there's a God that can solve problems within the church, that can do mighty and miraculous things, but is also concerned about the very real issues that face us in the day-to-day routines of our lives. And your Spirit just so keenly gives the answers to the things that we face. And so, Father, today I pray for those that are in this service and listening to us online that say, you know, I'm in a situation, I just, I'm kind of at a loss and I just really don't know what's going on and uh, I'm walking through some stuff that is really difficult and uh, I pray, Father God, that uh, they would fight the urge to take matters into their own hands. I'm going to solve this, I'm going to fix this, but that they would come and draw in close to you and pray and seek you and say, Lord, what is it that you are saying and leading and doing in me. And Lord, if they get the answer to just wait and just hold on, I pray that they would. (laughs) I pray that they would. Father, you know the point of every person's struggle. You know the point of what's going on in our world today through and what's going on in the church. And uh, as we have been... uh, Continually, we've been singing this song, Lord, and it's, it's about the, way, the fact that you do make a way, that you do work miracles, that you do keep your promises. We praise you today, Father. Do your work in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.